Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains, and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back to With You Every Step. This week, we are flying to France. Well, that's not true. We can't fly anywhere, especially from Australia. So I'm going to speak to Claire Davoine. Hello, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm so worried when I pronounce people's names because especially when there's a French way of saying it. Can you say your name for me so I can hear it with the French accent? Claire Davoine. It does sound lovely. Everybody loves the French accents, don't they, Claire? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. I'm trying to do my best in English, but sometimes, you know, my accent is uh, betraying me. Yeah, I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> I think you do a great job. So thank you for joining me today all the way from France. Whereabouts in France are you actually from? So I come from Normandy. It's on the west coast, on the north. Okay, so it's on the coastline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a D-Day in the history. It was in that region. And I'm a little bit on the south of Normandy, so near Brittany. Oh, I thought I'd heard of Normandy. I haven't been to that part of France. I've been to Paris and I've driven down all the way through into Switzerland. So I don't think I've been to any of the coastline, actually. I guess you have to come back. (laughs) I will. I'll have to come and visit you. Yeah. You're welcome too. So the town that you're from, is it a big town or a small town? It's more like a village, actually. The town I am near from is one hour away by car. And otherwise, it's only little cities, little villages. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I'm living in the countryside. <laughs> oh, lovely. You have been in Australia recently and you were here when COVID first took over and everything got shut down. Now you're back in France. How long have you been back in France for? So I arrived in France on the 23rd of May. So a little bit more than one month now. Okay. And I arrived in France when they were uh, ending the level four. So step by step, they are uh, reopening things, reopening businesses, and people are going back to work step by step, (laughs) of course. Okay, so when you say level four or step four, what does that mean of restrictions? Is that the highest amount of restrictions when everyone is in basically lockdown? So, yeah, basically everybody was uh, had to stay at home except the people that were working in hospitals or, I don't know, for example, my brother is driving the trucks uh, for the milk. So it's uh, an important job. He had to drive his truck but most of the people stayed at home and were working from home and they needed some authorization on paper to go out and the police could for example check on your authorization what are you doing are you going to work are you going to exercise so yeah it was really restrictive okay so you were in Australia for our lockdown Mm -hmm. what are the biggest differences that you can see from being here and then going back to Europe during the pandemic? Actually, I didn't realize how it was until I took the plane. Because when I took the plane to go back to France, it was really stressful. Uh, Even the the stewardess, how do you say that? The hostess in the plane? Flight attendant? Yes, the flight attendants were wearing, you know, white jumpsuits, like in crime scenes. And they were wearing the mask, my, the glasses, I mean, my temperature so they had got the taken. Full PPE on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really? was really like, strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, all the team on board were wearing protections. That's great for them, but I can imagine it would feel quite unsettling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 25 hours travel. So imagine that during 25 hours. <laughs> Yeah. And how did they go when they were giving you meals? Like, did they hand them to you from a distance? Uh, they were wearing gloves. And I guess after uh, the, the lunch, they were washing their hands and all the things like that. And they were handing, uh, they were giving us some 
kind of tissue, but with alcoholic gel to wash our hands uh, often. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was really, really strict. And yeah, I had to go through that. And after when I arrived in Paris, uh, it was really different. <laughs> yeah, I was imagine. really surprised. Sorry, I just want to ask you, with the, the flight itself, did you have many people on your flight with you? No, 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 not that much. I had the whole, uh, what do you say, the four seats for myself. Uh-huh, you had the whole row? Yeah, exactly. And everybody was, there There were distance in between every passengers. So it was really safe, actually. And when there were families, so maybe uh, four people all together, they were isolating them at the front of plane. So it was really great. Honestly, mm -hmm. I cannot say it was wrong. It was really a safe flight. And Australia's borders are closed. So was it only French people going home? Yeah, only people that had the French nationality or the French passport. So we had to, to fill a form. We would say, uh, okay, I am French, I'm going back home. And I had to show that to the um, uh, people that were registering me for the for the flight at the at the airport and so then when you arrived in Paris how was that really surprising uh, because I noticed that in Paris not everybody were wearing masks not everybody was respecting the distances in between people so yeah I was uh, after all this travel I was what happened what is happening in Paris why are they reacting like that and I asked to my friends that are living in Paris and they said, you, you don't realize we are living in 15 square meters for three, three months. It's kind of stressful. It's, they, are, they were really exhausted by the, the COVID crisis. And mm -hmm. after I went to the countryside because I went straight back to my parents' home for the quarantine. I had to quarantine 14 days. And in the country, it's a little bit different. They are more uh, respectful of the restriction, the safety precautions. So with your 14 days of quarantining, you didn't have to do that in Paris? You were then able to jump on a bus or transport to your hometown? Yeah. So the thing was, it was auto-quarantining. So I had to take on, I had to take that on me. So the safest place was to isolate uh, near my parents' home. I isolated in a van, in a comp camping van. Oh, in a camping van. Yeah, because I wouldn't endanger my parents. They are pretty old. So I did that in my, in my camping van and it was safe. And after 14 days, uh, I went back to my home. <laughs> you were totally isolated. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have to because it's for my parents that I do that and for my family too. You know, even if I'm not sick, I prefer to do that because the virus is, you can, you can have it, but you don't know you have it. Absolutely. To do but that. in Australia, we have the hotel quarantining for that reason. So people don't have to go and sleep in a car for two weeks. Because <laughs> where yeah. else are you going to go? So France doesn't do that. They're not paying for people to stay in hotels when they're coming home. No, it was, I guess that's why it's pretty catastrophic uh, in France. It's because the answer, the answer of the government was really late. It's still not totally safe so yeah now they are trying to do more and more things but it's now in june so in june and july it's not the best mm. and how many cases do you know that france has had overall so overall let me check 165,000 cases confirmed wow okay I mean, it's still um, not huge. It's still not in the millions like a, a the US is. No, no, no. But we are we are a small country, and there is uh, thir nearly uh, thirty thousand death death in the hospitals. Wow. Okay, that's quite a lot of deaths. That's a huge percentage. People, uh, not everybody got tested. 
So actually, these uh, numbers are not uh, accurate because I guess there there were a lot of people that got the virus and uh, the government cannot know because they never got tested or they never got uh, they never went to the hospital actually. But the, uh, the news it was really surprising for me because they said, oh, it's okay, the situation is stable, we are out of the pandemic and we can go back to our our activities. Yeah, I was really surprised that they would say that, but I guess the situation was really worse in Europe than in Australia. So if you try to take some distance, yeah, the situation is okay compared to a few months ago. It's quite interesting, isn't it, how every country deals and what they see as high numbers. So for Australia, yeah. we've just hit 8,000 cases the whole, for the whole pandemic. And so yeah. some, I know some places in the US are getting that per day. And so we have just hit that for the whole country. We've only hit 8,000 cases. Now in Victoria, we're basically the only state currently still getting cases. I think, uh, I think overnight we hit possibly 80, around 80 new cases, which is the highest it's been for a very long time. So what they did, they had a massive freak out because that's huge for here and they have put certain postcodes so certain areas of melbourne have had to go back into lockdown so full lockdown Mm -hmm. where restaurants are shut everything's shut apart from takeaway and certain areas so there's 10 postcodes and i think that works out to about i think about 30 suburbs where people have to be back into lockdown i'm not in one of those suburbs but they're considered the hotspots. So there's been a breakout and what's happened is those people have gone to their supermarket, to their shops, to their hairdresser, to their family, and that has infected people. And so that's why they're considered the suburb hotspots and they've been put back into lockdown. We are really freaking out and thinking that all of Victoria may go back into lockdown again. It's a possibility. And we only have hit 80 cases for the day where in some places like the US, they're hitting thousands per day. They're not putting those restrictions in place. So every country is dealing so differently, which is why I'm loving talking to people from all over the world to see what they're going through and how their country is dealing with it. So it's interesting how every government is dealing with it so differently. And you obviously saw that from going from Australia, where it was very strict, to then going to France and seeing people not social distancing and going back out into public and doing things with higher numbers. So did you feel unsafe when you were walking around back home? Only in Paris. Uh, I just went straight from Paris to my parents' home. So I don't know how it is in other big cities. And again, Paris is a small city compared to Melbourne or Sydney. I think maybe it's a French spirit of protest or I don't know what they are trying to do now, but uh, it's very difficult for French people to to respect some of the restrictions, especially because we are going out a lot on the, you know, you have your coffee outside of the bar and it's difficult to wear the mask outside. You want to smoke, you want to, sometimes it's difficult to understand people through the mask. So, yeah. I think the bottom line is people don't like being told what to do. And I think we're seeing that all over the world where people are like, I've had enough. Stop telling me what to do. I want to go out into society. But I think what we have to realize is society won't be society if we just keep doing what we want to do. Exactly. And I guess there will be some changes from now for some people after this crisis because A lot of people suffered and are still suffering uh, in different ways because they lost their jobs, they don't have enough money now to to continue to live. I don't know what is the situation of everybody, but in France especially, there is a lot of people that lost their businesses, especially with the restaurants, the hotels. It's really difficult for them and I'm not sure they will act the same if it starts again. So you came out to Australia as a backpacker? Yes. Uh, I was coming from New Zealand. I lived one year in New Zealand before. And what, what was your aim of coming to Australia? What did you want to accomplish? So I came to Australia because I didn't want to go
go back straight to France and started to work in a serious job again. I wanted to travel to Australia because why not? It was next to New Zealand and I could do that for six months and after really go back. So the plan was to work for six months and after the last two months or so I would travel. But uh, COVID happened. (laughs) So you didn't actually get to travel around Australia at all? No, I traveled just a little bit uh, around Melbourne and Victoria before the, the quarantine, but after it was over. So I just stayed and waited for the situation in France coming down and I went back. But I will come back, I think. Did you have a job when you were here? Yes, I was working in a cafe and uh, I was volunteering also at different museums in the city. So when the quarantine happened, I lost everything. Lucky me, I I had some money left so I could survive for the quarantine. And I knew that it was worse in Europe. So I prefer to stay, uh, go back when the situation would be better. So you were living on your savings. So you lost your cafe job straight away. Yeah. Which was around the 23rd of March? I think so, yeah. It was in March, yeah. Yeah. So the 23rd of March is when the government basically shut down all the businesses Mm -hmm. that weren't essential. Did the government give you any support because you were a backpacker? You're not an Australian citizen? Not at all. No. Not at all. Because I am a backpacker. I am from, from a foreign country. So I had nothing, but I guess uh, I was not the, in the worst situ- in the worst situation. I know that some backpackers were really in, like they were really poor. So they had to go straight to farms and of farms. Yeah, to work in farms because they, it was the only kind of businesses, if I can say so, that were still accepting some backpackers, but. It was really a short time to go there because after the quarantine and the borders were closing. So yeah, it was a really stressful time for backpackers, I guess. Yeah. So you mean the the state borders were closing? So going within, say, from Victoria to New South Wales to go to work on a farm? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Or not only Victoria, because I, I have some, you know, when you are a backpacker, you meet some people and after you speak to them through social medias and they are elsewhere through all Australia. People were looking for some farm works. And even now I have still friends that are looking for some jobs. All the farm works, the few of them that are left are, how do you say, all the backpackers want it. So do you know many backpackers that chose to stay in Australia and try and wait it out instead of going back to their home country? I guess right now there is not a lot left. Yeah. A lot of French people went back to their country because the the embassy advised us to to go back. Mm -hmm. So how did you find that out? Did you get an email or a phone call? How did they get in touch with you to say, this is what we think you should be doing? Because this is good advice for people when they, hopefully when the world opens up again and we can travel, if anything like this happens again, they know what happened and how you dealt with it. You have to follow the embassy news when you are, when you are traveling, especially when you are a backpacker, because you're not aware of everything that is happening. And I just went on the website and see what's what's the best advice to do, what was the best decisions and uh, what would happen to me if I would go back there. So yeah, I guess the website of of your embassy is the best information uh, resource you can have in that situation. Yeah, I know with Australia, every time I travel, we have something called Smart Traveller and you can put Uh in all of your information of where you're going to go and I do that every trip and you put exactly where you are for how many days, so whatever country it is and you're going to be there from this date to that date. And if there is any issue, they send an email to you or sometimes a text message depending on what the, the problem is so they can get in contact with you. They know where you are at all times. Do you have anything like that in France? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did that during the the pandemic. I forgot to talk to you about because I didn't subscribe. I was too late for that. But during the during March and April and the next months, they you had to subscribe to some a newsletter or something like that. And after the embassy would know that you are 
in that city that you are looking for to go back to France and they would call you to try to find with you a flight for France. And there were only one company that would do that flight. It was uh, Qatar Airlines during the quarantine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was very limited and very hard to go back because everybody, every French wanted to, to go back to France and the price of the flights were very high. Like it was three times the price or two times the, the price. Uh, I, I was lucky because I already planned to, to go back to France. So I had a flight booked in June. I was with Qatar Airlines. I was so lucky. So I, oh, I managed wow. to change so my flight. So you had already had a, a pre-booked flight with yeah. that airline, which is the airline that they had chosen to be able to fly everyone home. Exactly. I was so lucky Ooh. and I could change my flight for free. So oh, it was so wow. Extremely <laughs> lucky. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it would have cost you roughly how much were you seeing flights for? $5,000 Australian? Uh, uh, 3000 4000 I think. Three, 4000 Okay. I, I, I overreached a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> but it depends on the time because also at the moment during the pandemic, the government made uh, a deal with that company and they they limited the price of the flights because it was too high for some people. So uh, until, I guess it was until April, they limited uh, the price to 1,500, I think it was that. Which is roughly around what it is normally. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So they did that to help people, to help French people to go back because it was impossible for them, it was too high. Yeah, exactly. I, I have heard that a lot of people had to pay extremely high prices mm -hmm. to get home during this pandemic. And it is horrific because not only are you scared, you're not sure, you've probably lost your job. So your income is gone wherever you're going home. Like right now, when you got back home, yeah. you knew there would be a job for you, right? Yeah. If right now the job situation is complicated in France, like it's dumber. So the, the Summer, yeah. yeah, people are going to, on holidays if they can, and they are not hiring. Yeah, I think for now, people that are looking for a job will wait for September and, this, and hope the situation to get better. Does your government give any government money to people that don't have jobs? Uh, yeah, we have the regular thing, usually when you do are not working, you can ask for financial help uh, mm -hmm. when you are unemployed and you send proof that you are still looking for a job. So you make your resume, you have some appointments with some advisors and they can give you 80%, I think, of your last salary. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good, but it's not that forever. Is really good. Yeah, we we are. I am lucky to be French and have that kind of help. So I left the country for one year and a half, and I asked and I asked for that help, and I could have it. I will have it until September. So it's I'm so lucky. I can even not believe it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's good. I'm so glad that you're getting some help because it's extremely yeah. hard. I mean, you didn't plan to have to go home and go no. back to nothing in the middle of a pandemic. Is that always how much they pay? Or is that just for the pandemic, they're paying 80% of your last wage? Uh, no, it's usually it's like that. Of course. If it's you can not... see my face right now to anybody, I am shocked. <laughs> just check because now it seems to be, you are so surprised. And then... I am surprised because that's a lot because 80% of someone's wage, depending on the wages, I don't know what the wages are like in France, but in Australia, 80% of uh, a... Are, it's less. It's less in France. Okay, that makes sense. Because the average wage in Australia now for a full-time position is what, 70,000, 80,000 a year. So if you get 80% of that on government support, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, but again, it's not for years. It's just the time you find a new job. But if you're getting that kind of money, who wants to find a new job? Which is why ours is quite low. 
because they want you to go find work. They don't want to be paying you the government money. In Australia, it's not very high. At the moment, they've doubled it due to COVID. So people can live off it, which leads you to believe that normally it's very hard to live off. Okay, I have the exact number. Tell me. <laughs> Usually, it's 72% of the last uh, salary you got. Okay, that's that's still really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really good. And uh, also, you pay a lot of taxes when you are yeah. working. So there is a part of your wage that goes specifically for that kind of help when you are working. Okay. Yeah. And what about the healthcare system in France? How is that compared to the Australian system? I cannot compare to the Australian system because I never got sick. If you go to a doctor, for example, you pay around $35 after you get $18 off that you get back. Okay. After it. So everyone has to pay that? Nobody gets free healthcare? Uh, yeah, you can get free health free healthcare if you if you go to specific places. If you go to hospitals, for example, public system and there is a private system. And if you go to the okay. public system, public hospitals, healthcare is way better. But there is less people. There is a lot of difficulties to to manage all the the patient. What do you say, patients that are in the hospitals? When you if you don't have money. Okay, you can get you can get free healthcare, but maybe it's not the best. I heard that in Australia you have a really good you have really good doctors, you have really good surgeons, and in yeah, France, the public healthcare system is amazing in Australia. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. We are extremely lucky here. So yeah, I guess it's still good to can uh, that you can go to hospitals and. I have still that stigma, like my grandma uh, went to a public hospital and she, she got some um, infections. Like a staph infection? Yeah, something like that. And staphylococcus. Yeah. And I think that can happen. I think that can happen in any hospital. I don't know yeah. if that's, I mean, obviously the dirtier the hospital, the higher risk of that happening. But I still don't think that doesn't happen in the top-notch hospitals. I think a staph infection can still be picked up in all kinds of places. Maybe you're right. Thinking that, you know, maybe I haven't paid for this and so maybe it's dirtier, which means I've picked up the infection there, but I don't Mm-mm. know if that's actually scientifically correct. I think a staph infection can be picked up possibly anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you, what have you been doing while you've been in back home and kind of in lockdown? So, but you're not in lockdown anymore, right? Can you go out to shops and restaurants and everything now? Yeah, yeah. We can go to restaurants. We can go to supermarkets. So there is, of course, some safety precautions. You have to wear the mask. You have to wash your hands with the alcoholic gel at the entrance. Do you, does everybody have to wear a mask? Is that the law? Yes, Yes, but it it depends. It depends now because, uh, for example, in the bus, in the train, in the metro, you have to wear the mask. Otherwise, you get fined. But in the supermarket, it's only recommended. For example, so you can go without wearing wearing a mask. And in restaurants, oh. uh, it depends on the restaurant because how are you going to eat with a mask on? Oh, so you go inside with the mask and you are only allowed to take it off when you are seated at your table. The most restricted things are for the, the owners of the business because they had to make some changes into the configuration of a restaurant. For example, they have to distances in between tables. They have to provide mm-hmm. the alcoholic gel. They have to wear a mask. And some of the businesses cannot open reopen because you need to invest some money in it if you want to reopen yeah, and you've got to be able to have a big enough space yes. to be able to cater of distancing for so many people it's very hard for small little cafes and businesses exactly so they limit the entrance for example in small shops when you are able to move constantly they limit for example to two people inside the shop so there is a queue in outside and when there is less people you can go in that's how they do it 
but yeah, in okay. restaurants it's more complicated in cinemas they are they are reopening but not that much in well nothing's pools. being released <laughs> that's the thing they want to open the movies back up but no yeah. movies are being released from the u.s because they're like well we can't really go and <laughs> we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna make millions of dollars in the <laughs> in the box office so we're not releasing them yet yeah but we have we have more movies that we don't have on, only american movies in cinemas there is kind of a protection here so that the limit the American movies, they limit the American music here because otherwise we would listen only American movies, uh, only American music or see only American movies. So yeah, there is mm. another side of cinema <laughs> and music. But I, I assume it would be the same with that though because they don't want to release it and bomb because nobody's, be, nobody's risking going to the cinema yet. Yeah, it's yeah, a very yeah. hard time. They're Very just reopening. Time. It's just right now. So yeah, after three or four months of uh, quarantine. For the record, uh, France went into quarantine only one week before Australia, even if the situation was really worse there. Uh-huh. That's why I was really scared to go back to France in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's understandable. Our government put things down in place really quite quickly. And the biggest thing that were put in place, which I think is what saved us from being like yeah. the US and other countries was putting people in hotel quarantine. And even now the cases that we've had seem to come from the hotel quarantine of staff. Whoa. Unfortunately, uh-huh, the staff have not fo uh, followed protocols and procedures oh. and unfortunately had picked it up from the quarantining hotel guests that have come back from overseas and then gone out into the community and passed it on. Yeah, that's a bit touchy in that situation there and people are a bit angry. If I can add to that, uh, I think you are lucky to be an island. France in, is in the middle of Europe. There is a lot of movement inside that inside that area and it was really complicated to control it because all the borders in the European Union are opened. That was going to be my question though can not can France not close their border? They closed it during quarantine but so they really did late. so they just chose to do it late is that yes. is that the thing it was exactly. a late decision? Yes exactly everything was late that's why we can explain why now there is such a high number of cases. But yes, us being a big island makes a massive difference and it means that people just can't quickly jump on a plane and get here in two hours either. The only ones that can do that are New Zealand and they're still four hours away. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and they did the same thing, like pretty much eliminated COVID. So they've done a smashing job as well. You don't have a lot of big cities in Australia, I guess. Uh, what I want to say is when you have big cities, you have only two or three. Here uh, in France and Europe, everybody is concentrated. And it's big areas, small cities, but a lot of people around. And the, mm -hmm. it's easy to move in between cities because we have a good system of trains, of buses, of trams. So I think also what's, what didn't help is that it's really easy to move in Europe because the transport are really good and there is not a lot of distances in between cities. Who would have thought that having such a good transport system could come back and bite you in the bottom? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that kind of makes me sad. <laughs> We're trying oh, no, out it's great for it. travellers. <laughs> not so good in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> this train system, mm -mm, not so good. You're right, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> So what have you been doing at home? So right now I'm preparing my return to, to Paris maybe because I want to work in September. So I'm working mm -hmm. on my resume. And also I am seeing my family a lot and friends. For example, uh, I left my niece when she was six months. So she changed a lot. Now she's a little yeah. girl and I don't know her. And my grandma also, she's really old, so I'm trying to, to spend a lot of time with her. And I'm preparing the wedding of my friends. Uh, yeah, also it's a thing here because if there is still COVID cases here, 
they are organizing weddings, they are organizing small meetings. All the music festivals, of course, are uh, canceled, but you can gather if you are 50 people. I think that's it. 50? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ours is at 20. No, sorry. Ours is five back in Victoria. Other states are different, but Victoria is back to five visitors in your house and 10, a group of 10 outside of your home Mm -hmm. and no big gatherings at all. I don't know how it will go. Uh, We are, I don't know if we are, we will have a second wave of COVID. I don't, I really don't know. Right now, the government is trying to test people around the nest. Do you understand nest of contamination? Like it's areas where there were a lot of cases of COVID. Oh, hotspots? Yes, exactly. So now they are mm-hmm. sending invitations to get, the, uh, to get people tested for free because uh, here you have to pay for the test. And they oh, are trying. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to pay. How much do you have to pay for the test? I think it's around 30 euros in between 20 and 30. All the testing is free in Australia. Nobody has to pay. And currently what they're doing is because we've got hotspots, they're going to those suburbs where I mentioned earlier, they've locked them back down and they're trying to test everybody in that suburb so they can actually see how far spread it is. So even if you don't have symptoms, they're still testing as many people. They're doing about 25,000 tests a day in, in Melbourne. Wow. It's huge, huge amounts of testing. Oh, yeah, but you have to do it if you really want to prevent the second wave. And now they're trying to do that in France, but it's still really weak, if I can say so, compared to Australia, because they are only mm-hmm. inviting people to get tested. So they are sending them a little paper where they are saying, can you please go to get tested because we are trying to prevent a second wave. And it's a very uh, complicated time because here again, it's summer. So they expect people to go on holiday, people to move. So yeah, it's kind of scary here. So people have been looking at going on holidays? Yeah, the situation now with the borders it's kind of complicated because uh, most of the countries in the European Union have opened their borders, but some without conditions and some with. For example, if you go to Italy, Spain, there is no restrictions for French people. But if you go to England or Even though Ireland, Italy, Italy had like yeah. the worst cases to start with. I don't know where they're at right now. Maybe I need oh, to get right someone now, on it's pretty, Italy. It's okay. Right now it's pretty okay. Oh, After they did was, a smashing job then. Yeah, yeah, but they get they got everybody tested. That's why, and I think that's why also they realized how important was COVID crisis in their country. Mm. We didn't do yeah, that in France. Horrific. Now uh, it's more England, and uh, there were a little bit of cases in Portugal. They're re-quarantining Lisbon. I think it was around Lisbon. Because there is some restrictions in some countries and in other countries there is not. And you need to get tested or you need to quarantine. I think the French people prefer to stay in France and visit France for this year. Mm -hmm. In the news, they say uh, seven out of 10 people will stay in France this year. I mean, that's good. Everyone would want people to stay in their own country to keep their own economy going and traveling exactly. within your own country is great. Where would you want to go? Where, where <laughs> have you been that you want to go and travel to in France? I would like to visit the Basque region, which is in the southwest side near Spain. It's at the border. Oh, okay. I, I heard a lot of good things of it. Uh, really, you eat well. There, people are really welcoming, really happy there. So I'm curious about it. Is there wine? Is there lots of wine? Is that a wine region? More in the, in the north of uh, Basque region. There is wine everywhere, basically. But <laughs> you have more famous regions than others. Once we get a vaccine and we can travel the world again, and I'm hoping this will happen and we can travel the world again, I will come and you can take me around and take me to the nice wine regions. I love wine. Oh, uh, if you want to take, if you want me to take you around in Brittany or Normandy, it will not be wine. It will be beer. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, we have a lot oh, of. Oh, that's a beer area. Yeah, okay. yeah. There is a lot of what you say. The place where they they are doing beers. A brewery. Yeah, there is a lot of breweries. Some people of my family are having are starting a business in the brewery right now. So it's a really flourishing one. And in Normandy, it's really famous also for cider and liqueurs. I love cider. See, I don't drink beer because it's got oh. wheat in it, but I love cider. Okay. So, so come you can and take try. On a cider tour. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different from the cider you can have here. It's sweeter. <laughs> Your cider is sweeter than the Australian cider? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's different. The taste is different. It's more flavory. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's it's better cider is that what you're saying yes kind of. i'm defending my I region have no you know with that. if it's good uh, it's good yes <laughs> but wait to try it <laughs> oh oh gosh just talking to you makes me want to get on a plane i'm really got cabin fever i yeah, want to get on a plane and travel so bad i can't we can't nobody can uh, it's, it's still insane. closed. Yeah, I guess it's closed. Oh, our borders will be closed for a while. I can't see them opening up until possibly even middle of next year, I'd say. Wow. Because, yeah, yeah, unless there's a vaccine. But then even if there is a vaccine, it's going to take a very long time for it to get to where it needs to go. And then it's going to be mm. political. And who knows what's going to happen with all of that because I want it first. No, you want it. No, we want it. No, I want it. Ugh, it's going to yeah, be a nightmare. What I feel more concerned about is they are already working on a vaccine, but if you have it right away, you don't know what will happen. Like, Yeah, the side effects they've and put things. so much money. They've put so much money into these vaccines they've got the resources that they need. I don't know if there's much difference in between the other ones. I still got to follow all the protocols mm -hmm. and all the testing that they would do normally. It's just now there's so much money that most researchers don't get to put into vaccines. Yeah, It's quite amazing. And some of the countries like France in Europe already ordered some vaccines, even if they are not uh, approved yet. From where? From England. But there's uh, several countries on it. But uh, I heard in the news that they already ordered, like, you know, pre-ordered so that they are sure they will have it. Oh, I understand. Yes. Yeah, I have heard. That's why certain countries have bought and given so much money to go towards yeah. it with the handshake of we give you this money and when you get the vaccine, you give it to us. Yes, I've yeah. heard there's a lot of these dealings going on. But this is what I'm saying, that when they do find, if they do find a vaccine, mm -hmm. that that can cause a lot of issues. So we just have yeah. to wait and see. But I am itchy. I want to travel so bad. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have to do it within my state and within Australia, yeah. which is fine. But right now, it looks like we're going back into lockdown. So I don't think it'll be any time quite soon, mm -mm. which is a bit of a pain. Yeah, but think about it. You are saving people when you are quarantining at your home. 100%. I have no problem with it. Apart from it's my birthday next week, my 40th. Oh, no. And I know. And I possibly could be home alone on my 40th, which is quite devastating. Oh, no. Uh, you know what? I will send you a postcard. <laughs> that's the least I can do <laughs> oh I'd love a postcard yeah. oh that would make me so happy <laughs> I will do it trust me I will do it <laughs> you know what if any of my listeners out there want to send me a virtual postcard for my birthday you can send it to with you every step podcast at gmail.com oh. and I would love to get that oh <laughs> you will you will it's the least I can do I don't want to see you sad on your birthday it's not you. I know. I was going to have a big, beautiful party too, and that can't happen. There's been no. a lot of people out there, weddings, all kinds of things. The most devastating, I think, are funerals when people can't celebrate the life of someone they love. That's the most horrific. Yeah, yeah. It happens. It happened in my family. It was really sad. Like only 10 people allowed at the funerals. Mm. And even my the sister of the... So my grandma had her brother died and she couldn't attend to the funeral because it was too dangerous so it's so oh. sad like i cannot imagine to be there no i couldn't and my dad passed away a few years ago and i couldn't imagine not giving him the send-off that we gave him and how how awful that is for the family to not be able mm. to to have that day and 
yeah, so that's the worst. So me just having to be by myself on my birthday is going to be sad, but it's there's much worse things happening out there. Yeah, that's true. And you still have other years to come to celebrate your birthday. <laughs> it just means I say 39 for a one more year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. I didn't even turn 40. No one knows. No one saw it. It didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, we all know that uh, 2020 didn't happen. Nothing happened. <laughs> we have to forget. No, it's a year. year that needs to be cancelled. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I have been asking everybody about recipes they've been cooking. Yeah. Do you have a recipe that you've been cooking that you can tell me that I'm going to try with Mr. Troy Larkin? I have one. <laughs> you will like it. Yeah. Do I need to explain all the recipe right now or just? You have to explain it all because my listeners may be taking notes and I will be putting the ingredients on social media as well so if you do want to do it yourself you're welcome to but I have been super excited with what people have been telling me they're things I would never know to look up to be able to cook so it's quite interesting hearing what people have been making at home so yeah so what I thought about was a sweet recipe a dessert a dessert I like it sweet yes (laughs) it's good because a lot of people might be vegan or vegetarian and a dessert, you may have things that you can substitute for other things if you that's can. your choice. Yeah. Uh, concerning the ingredients, it's really easy. You need some oh, apples. I like easy. How many apples? Five or six. So Five or six five. apples. Yeah, Ooh. I saw on the recipes I it like was apples. one kilo. So, yeah, it's okay. around five or six. And uh, it... It would be better if you would have some Granny Smith, you know, the green ones that are a little bit, uh, what do you say? I said not sweet, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've got heaps here, actually. I bought a big bunch the other day. Perfect. You are re- already ready for the recipe. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. So you need also 100 grams of sugar. So it's mm-hmm. around a cup, I think. You need cup, 50 okay. grams of butter. So mm-hmm. that's where uh, you uh, you can change it for uh, vegetable butter oil. I don't know what you call that, but there you have the choice in the supermarket. You need one mm-hmm. teaspoon of cinnamon and a little bit of vanilla extract or sugar, your choice. Okay, so how much vanilla extract? Extract. Uh, I would say one teaspoon, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm you know I'm doing I'm doing it like automatically I don't measure I know I know everybody is saying that which I love that because they're the best recipes is when you just do it yourself but yeah you need to give us a little bit of an idea because I've never made it before and if you say a little bit to me I love vanilla extract I might put a tablespoon and it might taste terrible because I'm not a good baker (laughs) if you're not sure you better just do half of it I tend to to put less if I'm not sure and I can add at the end, especially this kind of thing because it's you can put it during before the cooking and after. Uh, it's better before. Okay. So yeah, and the last one is puff pastry. So that's the tricky one. What's that one again? Sorry. Puff pastry. Oh, puff pastry. Okay. Pastry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. That, that's just our accent. The way we say it is puff pastry. Puff pastry. Yeah. I'm still learning English. <laughs> you can say. <laughs> You're amazing. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. So, yes, that's all you need for the tatin tart. Did I say the name of the pie? No. No, you didn't. Uh, that's okay. The name is a tatin pie. Tatin tart or tatin pie. I would say tatin tart like in French, but it's a pie. How do you, what, what is it called in French? Tart. If you if you want to be understood, just forgot the R. Tart tata. We can understand that. Tart tata. Yeah. Yep. There we go. I can speak French. Okay. All right. So that's what we need. Now, how do we make this bad boy? Okay. So here's the thing. You need a pot where you can put the butter and the sugar together a bowl or is this is this what we're cooking it in saucepan that you put over the stove over the stove yes it's where you 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 warm a soup you know you put that in a pot yeah saucepan so you put the butter and you put the sugar together with a slow fire very slow 
So you mix it. So just melting it, melting yes. it and mixing it together. You are trying. So the sugar is just going exactly. nice and brown, right? You are trying to make caramel here. Do you know how to make caramel? Uh-huh. Now you I know. I do. So yeah, you wait for five minutes. It has to be bright orange, really bright, because bright after orange. you will put okay. it in the oven and it will be dark, darker after the oven. Mm. Yum, yum, <laughs> Can yum. you smell okay. it already? I can just, I love sugar. So just thinking that there's like brown caramel. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yep. Keep going. Yeah, it's delicious. I know there's apples coming too. <laughs> Yum. So after when it's ready, you put that in a mold. Uh, the mold has to be high, like five centimeters high. Mold as in the cake tin? Yes, exactly. Okay. It has to be How round. How big is the cake tin? No, it has to be round. It has to be round or squared because it's big. You will put one kilo of apples in, of apples in it. Uh, it's around five centimeters because we'll put a lot of apples in it. So if you have some caramels and things like that, it has to be high. So you put that in the in the tin and you and wait bottom. for it to be cold. After you had your apples that you have cut in moon quarter. Moon quarters. Yeah, you cut okay. you cut your apple in half and after in three parts. So it's six okay. pieces. <laughs> And you put yep. that and they're peeled peeled apples yes of course they're peeled sorry i didn't decide but yeah they are That's peeled okay. you put that on the caramel that is cold you just uh superpose it if i can you put the a little bit of the next apple over the last one i'm with you i'm with you i've uh, got the visualization going on of like like a fan right kind of like a fan Yes, 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 exactly. But if you Google, if you Google the tart, you can see exactly what I mean. Okay. So after you put the apple, you add some cinnamon on top, some vanilla, and you add the puff pastry on top. Hold on a second. So the, the cinnamon and the vanilla, do they not get mixed in a bowl first? Do you put them straight on the top of the apples? Yes, exactly. Oh, the puff pastry, however yeah. you choose to make your puff pastry, or if you choose to buy it, I will buy gluten-free puff pastry. Yeah. And then you just shove it over the top. Yeah. So you have to put the the edges of the pastry inside the mold. Edges? Uh-huh. Yeah. You can see it. And it has to be inside the mold. So basically it's Oh, like, you tuck them in. Yeah. You tuck it in. Exactly. Tuck it in around the side. Like it's, like it's a bed and you're tucking in your sheets. Exactly. That's it. That's it. So, oh, I've got this. I've got this. Troy is probably going to have to do the tucking. I might have to get Troy to tuck. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear that. I want to see it. Oh, I feel so sad to not be here anymore. Oh, I guess if you like butter like me, uh, usually I before putting the puff pastry, I add little uh, dices of uh, butter inside the apples. Before you put the puff pastry on? Yeah, exactly. So if you if so you, you like butter, bits of butter, yeah, just a little bit, and you add the puff pastry. It is the last the last step of it. And then, do you wash the puff pastry? Do you wash it with like egg wash or butter, and to give it a nice glow, or do you prick holes in it with a fork? Yeah, the last one you put you pre holes in it with a fork. Prick prick Pricks. holes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and after the last step is to put that in the oven. One uh, 180 degrees, 30 to 40 minutes, you will see the puff pastry. If it's a little bit golden, that means it's almost ready. All right. And then how does this work? Do you eat it hot? Wait for it. There is still, a, oh. there is still something to do. <laughs> oh, oh, there's still more. There's still when more. it's ready, that is the trick. You take that the tin out of the oven when it's ready. You let it cool a little bit. It has to be warm, still warm. And you put a big plate on top of the puff pastry, okay? And uh -huh, safely, uh -huh. but gently, you reversed it. You flip it. Yeah, you flip it. That's it. So that's the puff pastry. It's at the bottom, is on the plate, and the the apples and the caramel are on top. And now you have the proper tart. That sounds delicious. I hope you will not flip it wrong <laughs> because it's oh, disastrous yeah. when you flip it wrong. Have you done that before? Have you, have you flipped it on the floor? 
but most of the time it's t- it sticks to the to the tin because of okay. the caramel so it's too cold that means it's too cold it has to be really warm it's kind of tricky this step this is the difficult part yeah. to flip it but you will see okay. you need you need so you don't experience. want it hot though you don't want to do it as soon as it comes out no, of the oven no no because after the, the apples are going everywhere the paste doesn't hold the apples you know it's too hot it has to be warm but not too cold too because the caramel sticks to the tin so yeah it is the tricky part and after okay. you can eat it with a uh, you know vanilla ice cream in a plate and it's delicious it's really delicious so do you serve it warm though or do you serve it cold uh just warm uh, you can eat it cold warm. too, but I prefer it warm. With uh, the vanilla oh. ice cream, it's perfect. It's the perfect balance, you know. Oh, it sounds delicious. I'm getting some of the best recipes. <laughs> yeah, not so good for my waistline, but that's okay. Just once a week after it's all salad for the week. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Salads and then that can be my dessert every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's delicious. Trust me. And do you want to hear the story about the start, how it got invented? Because it's kind of yes. uh, funny to tell. Tell me this story. How did this tart get invented? Yeah, here it is. Uh, I always heard that it was the Tatin sisters that invented it. That's why you call that a tarte tatin. Because the Tatin t- sisters, Caroline and Stephanie, invented it in their restaurants. How it happened, uh, one of the sisters, when they decided to bake a pie, she gathered the ingredients, she put it in the tin. After, in the oven, she realized, I forgot the puff pastry. I forgot it. What can I do? What can I do? She had the idea to add this on top. And after, she flipped it. And that was the secret recipe. It was really secret. And they kept it until their death, maybe 30 years after. Do you know Maxim's? It's a famous restaurant in Paris. I think it's in Midnight in Paris. You know the Allen movie? Uh-huh. And uh, it's a very touristic and famous restaurant. And in the 50s, they decided, okay, we will put that on the menu. And it became really famous after that. But at the, originally, it was a secret recipe, only by the Tatin sisters. All from mistakes, which I think some of the best recipes come from mistakes. <laughs> I can't wait to, to see how you do it, Rip Try. I'm a bit scared about the flip. I'm not going to lie. I'm already nervous about it. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure there is some YouTube uh, tutorials online that you can uh, see before. <laughs> we are approaching our destination. Ladies and gentlemen, please fasten your seatbelts for the final five. Your favourite city or town? Wellington, New Zealand. Oh, I think this is the first time and Zed has got a jersey. Interesting, okay. <laughs> Weirdest food you've ever eaten? I would say uh, it's weird to say that as a French, but snails. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> so, so does not everyone eat snails? It's not like a thing that you grow up eating? No, not at all. We eat that on Christmas time, I think, most of the time. Kind of a, a very special occasion to eat that. It's like it's the same with oysters, except if you if you live near the sea and you always have oysters, it's especially on Christmas. Okay. And it, was it a tradition in your family to have snails at Christmas? No. <laughs> Maybe that's no. why it was weird for me because I'm not used to. I remember when I was in France, they, they brought out the snails and I was like, nope, thank you. I'm good. Not for me. <laughs> well, it's always good to try. I mean, to discover new things, you know, at the end, you know what you don't like. <laughs> snails is definitely not one of them. I can say it right now. I don't think I would ever like that slimy sucker going down my throat. Blah. No, thank no. you. <laughs> Beaches or mountains? Oh, I have to pronounce it right. It's really weird for me. Beaches? <laughs> was it Beaches, good or not? Yes. Okay. That was great, but I, I didn't know what you meant until you said it, and then I understood what you were saying. Oops. Yes. It, it was like really difficult all along my travel. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> a tourist site that you recommend is a must see. Uh, Samalo in Brittany. What is that? kind of a fort there is some pirates vibes there so it's really interesting there is a sea there is some boats a lot of boats there you can you know there is big walls and you can 
walk all around the city on these big walls. Oh, I love that. It's like in Dubrovnik in Croatia. Oh, I love a big castle feeling vibe with a moat. It's really nice. It's in Brittany. So you have to leave Paris. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not a problem. But Brittany (laughs) is a really beautiful region. Can you say thank you in another language and you are not allowed to tell me in French? (laughs) How do you know I would say merci? (laughs) Okay, I would say grazie in Italian. Merci. (laughs) (laughs) De rien. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking with me today and giving some insight in what you've been going through and a little bit of backpacker life and what it was like going through a pandemic, being in another country and trying to get home. Oh, thank you for having me. Stay well, stay healthy. Thank you, you too. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.